Some people smoke weed. Other people crochet. But all those people do what they do for the same reason. Some people date online and want to meet the one and get married. And some people would rather separate one into two, get divorced. But all those people do it for the same reason. Some people go on diets for this reason, and other people eat donuts for the exact same reason. Some people can't wait to get their first social media account or, or check their phone after work or during work. And other people swear off social media entirely for the exact same reason. Do, do you know what the reason is? Do you know why people use drugs or avoid them, want to get married or want to stop being married, use social media or don't? The answer is because all of us want to be happy. Have you ever stepped back to, to think about that? That so much of what you and I do, at the end of the day, if you dig down to the motivations and the reasons, it's about our crazy pursuit of happiness. Like, we, we want kids because we think kids will make us happy. We want to find a babysitter so someone can watch our kids because being away from our kids will make us happy. Right? We want to enjoy this meal because it makes us happy or we're going to say no to this meal because we want to step on the scale tomorrow and feel happy. So much of what we do, whether it's right, it's wrong, it's this or it's that, it's biblical or it's sinful, is because deep in our heart is a desire for happiness. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a bit. Um, it seems to me that happiness and joy are these two elusive things that all of us want. It's pretty rare. I can't think of a single time someone has said, Pastor, I really want to be stressed and sad. <laughs> no, but everyone wants to be happy and peaceful, right? So how do we find it? In the next few videos, I want to open this book, the Bible, and show you what I found doing a deep dive into the words joy, happiness, and peace in this good book. So uh, let's start with joy. I recently learned that the words joy, joyful, rejoice, rejoiced, Rejoices, rejoices, uh, rejoicing, I should say, uh, happy, happiness. They show up about 400 times in the Bible. And what the Bible will say about it is that there are different ways that people try to be happy and some are better than others. I bet you realize this, right? Sometimes we do things to be happy and it doesn't quite make us happy, at least not for very long. Now, the first type of joy I found in the Bible is what I'm going to call bad joy. Maybe that's just another way of saying sin. It's when we're happy about something that makes God sad. The Bible's honest enough to admit that there is a kind of joy that comes from sin. Let me read to you Proverbs chapter 15 verse 21. It says, folly, it's a fancy word for foolishness or sinfulness, folly brings joy. Isn't that interesting the Bible would say that? Yeah, you can sin and it will bring you joy. In fact, if you wrote out your last 10 sins and asked yourself, why did I do that? I have a hunch the answer would be happiness. Why did I try to win that argument with my mom? Because I thought winning and being right would make me happy. Why did I have one drink too many? Why did I click on that? Why did I 
you know, have sex with the person I'm not married to. Because I wanted to. <laughs> well, why did you want to? Because it felt good. Oh, okay. At the root of sin is this belief that it will make us happy. And, and the Bible says it will. But not for long. I didn't actually read to you the whole verse. Proverbs 15 verse 21 says this, Folly brings joy to one who has no sense. But whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. God is honest enough to admit that temptation is tempting because sin can make you happy. But it doesn't make sense. You could spend today giving in to bad joy out of your desire for happiness, but that bad will backfire. That makes me think of Dr. Larry Crabb, a Christian counselor. A desperate man once came to Dr. Crabb and he said, I just want to feel good right now. And the counselor thought and then he said, okay, um, my advice is that you should find your favorite alcoholic beverage then get some willing women and then go to the Bahamas. And the guy said, what? <laughs> uh, aren't you a Christian counselor? And this is brilliant. Uh, Dr. Crabb replied, I am, but given your request, that was the best I could do. I just love the honesty of that. What he's saying, what God is saying, what I'm saying to you is that there are ways to be happy right now, but they will not bless you in the end. If they don't leave you with a physical hangover, they will leave you with a spiritual one. And so the God who created you for eternal happiness is not making up these rules and saying that these things are sin or do this or don't do that because he wants to rob you of happiness. No, he's a good father. So today, I just want to ask you to believe him. If God says it's bad, believe him. If he forbids it, have faith in it. Have faith in the goodness of a God who loved you so much that he gave his only son, that Jesus would give up everything and, and suffer on a cross so that you could be happy in God's presence forever. If that's what God did, if that's what God is like, then bad joy is just bad. So let me leave you with this to do. Talk back at temptation today. When you feel drawn to, to thinking that or saying that or doing that or giving into that or crossing the line of living in the moment before that draws you in too much, talk back and say, bad joy. <laughs> Call it out. Admit it might make you happy, but it's bad because your father wants what's best for you. He says it's sin and you believe him. He's a good father. Please don't forget it. Let's pray. Uh, dear God, please give us faith, not just to believe in the goodness of Jesus, but in the badness of sin. You created us with an incessant desire to be happy, but sin corrupts that and it too often leads us into temptation. Protect us today. Help us to be clear-minded, sober in our thinking, and give us the kind of faith to believe that you are a good, good Father in heaven. We pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.
So how do you try to be happy? Uh, we've been talking about the different kinds of joy in the Bible. Uh, in the last video, we talked about bad joy, being happy about stuff that makes God sad. But if, if you're resisting sin, or at least trying to, like I am, where, where do you find joy? Well, our world, even apart from the Bible, would say, by being present. Less doing and more being. Have you noticed these themes? The, the mindfulness movement. I think a generation ago, they would have said, slow down and smell the roses. <laughs> if there are roses there, smell them. <laughs> like there's something beautiful right at your feet. Don't miss it. And that's actually really biblical advice. We sometimes think as Christians about happiness being in Jesus and in forgiveness and in heaven. Those things are true. We'll get to that. But the Bible often speaks of the joy of some of these temporary blessings that God gives us in the moment. Let me read to you a passage from Acts chapter 14. Uh, the Apostle Paul was speaking to people who had very little church background. They were kind of pagan people from the Greek cities of Lystra and Derbe. And in speaking to them, Paul said, God has shown kindness by giving you, what do you think comes next? His son? Forgiveness? Salvation in Jesus' name? Those would be good answers. That's not what Paul said. God has shown you kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food, here it is, and fills your hearts with joy. Where does joy come from? How do we get happy in a biblical sense? Well, part of Paul's answer is rain, crops, and I love this line, plenty of food. <laughs> yes, God has eternal happiness for us waiting in heaven, but right here and right now, he is doing a million things that if you're mindful of them, if you're not racing through the day, if you can slow down, not just to smell the roses, but to experience his glory, it can make you really happy. This actually happened to me the other day at a home improvement store. Um, you might not know that I'm completely useless when it comes to fixing things. So I try to use Amazon, hire people, and avoid home improvement stores. But this time I was there searching for a broom with my family when a near miracle, I'm walking past the power tools and I saw a massage chair. I'm not making that up either. There's this like swanky, way more expensive than I can afford massage chair. So I, I have zero intention of buying this thing, but I sit down, my daughter grabs the control, we turn on the, the fancy mas massage there is, and I sit there for way longer than a man should. One minute passes, then two, then 10. My wife is wondering where I am and what I'm doing. But what I was trying to do was this. I was trying to be biblical. I was trying to enjoy these good and perfect gifts that come down from our Father in heaven. So here's, here's my question to you. Where is God trying to give you good joy today? Now, spiritual gifts, amazing. We'll get to that. How about physical gifts? Relational gifts? The gift of the weather, the gift of the temperature, the, the cup of coffee with a good friend, I sometimes play soccer and whether I'm winning or losing, I try to tell myself, God, my body can do this. <laughs> there are 117 parts of this aging body that could tweak or tear or twist the wrong way and I would be on the bench. The fact that I can run, jump, 
kick. That's crazy. There's so much good joy packed into every single day, and I want to challenge you today to see it. So here's my big challenge. Do you think before the end of this day, maybe right now after this video is done, you could come up with an A to Z list of good things that God is giving to you? Let me share with you my example. I want to read this so I don't miss a letter. God has given to me, to many of you, avocados, butter, comfortable couches, donuts, eating out, maybe at a donut place, fast food, which could be a donut place. <laughs> Some of you have grandkids and hugs and ice cream. Bonus points if you put them all together. There's jewelry, koalas, love, especially falling into it. There's manly minivans. Are there any other type? New Nikes, olive oil, pants. Because <laughs> life would be so awkward without them. There's quiet kids. Wouldn't that be amazing? Rainy day naps, steaks on the grill, ticket to ride, my favorite board game, unicorn jammies, vacations, Wi-Fi, Xanax, yoga pants, and zucchini. Genetically modified to taste like a donut. <laughs> right, A to Z. I mean, one, one thing on that list would bring me so much joy. And I have a hunch that God has given you way more than one. He fills our hearts with joy. He has, he has sent down testimony from heaven, Paul preached, and, and the plenty of food, the crops, the rain, all of it, Jesus' half-brother James would say, every good and perfect gift comes from above. So be mindful of it. Be present. Slow down, busy Christian. Smell the roses. And you'll experience what your heart longs for. Joy. It is amazing how used to good we get. Let me say that again in case you missed it. It is amazing how quickly human beings get used to good. All right, if, if you would spend just a week with someone from a third world country, they would, they would probably look at your life, your devices, your bank account, the place where you live, the food that you eat, the food that other people prepare for you as you drive through the drive-thru, and they would be stunned. They would think, if I were you, I would be so happy. <laughs> but you think, uh, I guess I'm just used to it. I actually thought of that this morning with my mom. Uh, my mom is the most compassionate, selfless, sacrificial human being you will ever meet. And because I work a full-time job and my wife works a full-time job and we have two kids who are really busy, my mom is super kind enough that she cleans our entire house every week. And now you're thinking, <laughs> you must be so happy. <laughs> the whole house, like the bathrooms, yep. The kitchen, yep. The vacuuming, yep. The dusting, yep. The toilets, yep. Like that is amazing. But, but do you know what happens? It's almost embarrassing to admit this. We, we get used to it. You kind of forget she's even doing it. The house is just always clean. And I have to remind myself, oh yeah, that's abnormal. I'm super blessed. God is so good to give this. So why am I telling you all this? It's not so you can call up my mother and tell her that you're going to be more grateful for her services. I'm not giving her cell phone out today. Uh, I am trying to convince you that as, as good as it is to find our happiness in good things, good isn't enough for us. Now, you can make a million dollars and millionaires get used to it. 
You could eat at fine restaurants. You can even have a, a chef that you can afford, but you get used to that too. You could drive the latest car. You could get the latest phone, but eventually it would stop making you happy. You'd be used to it. Your, your soul would almost adjust and it wouldn't be enough. I've been trying to talk to you about the uses of the words joy and happiness in the Bible. And we've talked about bad joy, sin, which backfires. We've talked about good joy, which are good gifts from God, but they're not quite enough, which is why I'm so, so happy there's one last type of joy in the scriptures. Actually, most of the joy words in the Bible are connected to this kind of joy. It's not bad joy. It's not good joy. It's what I call God joy. God joy. It's being happy about God. Not just being happy about the good things that God gives, but being happy about God himself. It's pretty interesting. In Acts chapter 2, you might know this story. Jesus' friend Peter, he has this impromptu message that he's giving to a huge crowd of people. It's his chance to tell them about the Christian faith, what it's all about. So he preaches about Jesus. He died on the cross for us. He was raised from the grave. And he starts quoting this really famous psalm, Psalm 16. That's the psalm that predicted that uh, God's son would not stay in the grave. His body wouldn't decay. He would rise from the dead. And this is how the quote ends from Peter. This is Acts 2 verse 28. He quotes, God, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Boom. That's God joy. God, how are you going to fill me up with joy? With a generous mom? With a new phone? With a raise, with a kid, with a date, with a car, with a dream, with a hundred likes on my most recent post, God would say, no, that's good, but that's not enough for you. Here's how I will give you lasting joy. You will fill me with joy in your presence. God has said, I will be with you. Through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the forgiveness of your sins, the cleansing of all of your bad joy, I have promised to be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you always until you see me face to face in the new heaven and the new earth and we will be happy together forever. That's God joy. Here's what I love about that. Through faith in Jesus, you can have that kind of joy right now. Your phone might break. My mom might say, I'm done. Your relationship could end. Things might be bad at work. Your back might hurt. Your kid might be up all night. That good joy can disappear really fast. But God joy, you can have it forever. (laughs) Because God isn't stopping by to see you once or twice a week, making an annual visit. God has promised through the blood of his son to be present in your heart, in your life, and in the room forever. Remember that. And Peter says, you will be filled with joy. Uh, it reminds me of the story of the world-class guitarist slash champion fly fisherman who found a better joy. You ever heard the story of Christopher Parkening? Uh, he was a, a guitar virtuoso. In fact, as a kid, he became so good at guitar that before his 18th birthday, I believe, the Washington Post called him one of the greatest guitarists of our time. He was being nominated for Grammys. He was playing at award shows. He was writing. He was touring. He was rich. 
he was famous, but it wasn't enough. His heart kind of got used to it. Used to the money, used to the recognition, used to the applause, used to the crowds. And so at age 30, he, he switched his life's focus from guitar to fly fishing. <laughs> and apparently Christopher Parkin is crazy talented at lots of things because he almost instantly turned into like a world-class championship fly fisherman. And it made him happy. Until it didn't. And his heart got used to that good thing too. And he was searching for more. But then on one epic day, he was visiting some friends and his friends were making their weekly trip to their church and they invited Christopher along and he found a new source of happiness, a new source of joy. He found God. He learned about Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, his connection to God. He learned a greater purpose for life, not to receive, but to give. Not to receive money and praise, but to give God glory and fame and honor. And obviously his joy wasn't perfect, but he found something better. And that's my prayer for you too. You and I are all going to do something to be happy. Why not do the something that endures forever? So let me leave you today with these words that I often pray at the dinner table with my family. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That's God joy. Amen. Do you want more peace in your life? That's a dumb question. <laughs> of course you do. We don't have a ton in common, but I think every human being wants more joy and more peace because peace is one of those things that we, we just need to get through the day and be okay. I think of peace as the ability to push back on bad news. It's when fear just wants to consume you and you, you keep that fear on a leash. Peace is the ability to read a bad headline or have someone criticize you and you take a deep breath and you say things like, but God, but God's got this, but God accepts me, but God knows the truth. Peace isn't about having a perfect life. It's about knowing a perfect God who runs all of our lives and who want what more of that. Uh, but you've probably figured out what I have, right? Um, peace is no joke. I mean, I said bad news before, but when the bad news is specific and when it's personal, it's so easy for peace to completely disappear. I think about all the financial things that you might be going through. Uh, the credit card debts, paying for tuition, the medical bills, the divorce, the lawyer's fees, the, the job cutback, the, the hours, the business, the debt you've taken on, the student loans. I thought I was in a pretty good financial spot and then the dentist said, your daughter needs braces. And then I found out how much braces cost, right? Like in an instant, I start thinking about how I'm going to make this work and pay these bills and do we have enough money and what do we have to cut back on? And that's just the financial. There's, there's the physical, which is probably way worse than a financial. There's the, the mental health struggles, the depression, the anxiety, there's the bad back, there's the getting older, there's the knees that need to be replaced and the hips and the things you can't play and the muscles that tear and the recovery time. And, and that's just the physical. 
That's the relational. Right? I think I could be broken, physically broken, if all my relationships were strong. But when there's tension in your home, when things are kind of difficult with your dad, when you don't really want to be with your mom, or your kids, your spouse, or you're not sure if this relationship is going to make it, and I could keep going, right? <laughs> I don't want to depress you, but I think you get the point. Something happens every day that threatens our peace. And that's why we pray, God, change this. God, give me the money. God, please don't let the other kidney braces too. Like we just want him to fix all of these things so we have a perfect life because once we have a perfect life, once the trouble is gone, then we can get this thing we want called peace. But do you know who wouldn't agree with that? Jesus. Uh, the night before he died, Jesus was in an upper room with his friends. He celebrated the Lord's Supper. He washed their feet and he spoke these amazing words. He said in John chapter 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I love that. Jesus wasn't saying to Peter and James and John, it's going to be easy. You'll be fine. Don't worry, no troubles. I'm about to die for your sins. No, he's honest enough to say, in this world you will have trouble, but don't worry. Take heart. I'm speaking to you so that in me you may have peace. So let me teach you a really simple technique that's really difficult to do, but it might help you with your peace. The first thing that happens when you feel afraid, think about Jesus. Right? When the doctor says it's cancer, before we think about the chemo plans and, and life expectancy, and the ch- before we Google it, before we talk to other people, like let your fear be a trigger to think of Jesus. Because Jesus said, in me, you may have peace. Think about who he is. Think about where he is. Think about what he's done. Think about what he's promised. Right? When the bill comes in the mail, when you're behind, when the relationship is like on the fence and you don't know if it's going to make it, like there will be plenty of time to think about all the what ifs. Let the first portion of your time think about this. Jesus. This rock solid, unchanging, this beautiful same yesterday and today and tomorrow. Jesus. That's the secret to peace. It's not a perfect life. Peace is found in a person and his name is Jesus. That's what my friend Phil said. I have this friend named Phil. He used to be the principal of the Christian school that my kids attend. And in his 40s, he was diagnosed with a a shocking diagnosis. He had cancer. And all cancer is bad, but Phil's cancer was, was bad, bad. But it was the craziest thing to watch my friend Phil battle cancer because he was not afraid. (laughs) I put it this way, my friend Phil was a peace beast. Like I I was waiting for him to lose it. I was waiting for the tough exterior to crack. At times I thought he was in denial about the seriousness of his diagnosis, but he wasn't. He was good. He he didn't know if he'd get better or not. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. He didn't know if his ministry was over, if his life was over, if he would leave wife and kids behind. But he, he just had this peace. And so I asked him, like, Phil, 
how did you do that? I would have been freaking out. I would have worried about how my kids would have handled the death of their father at such a young age. How did you do that? And uh, Phil actually sent me back an answer. I, I brought it with me today because I wanted to read it word for word. He said, My faith gives me peace. A passage I often go to is John chapter 16, where Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. My biggest problem was sin, but God solved it. He sent his son Jesus to be my one sacrifice. I have heaven because of Jesus. I understand that I will face earthly struggles, but the Bible tells me God is our God forever and ever. God will be our guide even to the end. In short, by faith, I know that God is here. I hope that helps. Phil. Well, that does help, Phil. God is here. Peace isn't a perfect life. It's found in a person. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, dear Jesus, thank you for being here and thank you for being you. Whatever we're worried about today, whatever kept us up last night, whatever sparks and triggers our anxiety, it is not bigger than you. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are our Savior. You sit at the right hand of God and you are running the show. So before we worry and wonder and what if ourselves to death, help us to think of you. Let your Holy Spirit give us that ability and that power to have faith, to be like Phil, and to find peace. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you're looking for more peace in your life, remember this. Peace isn't a perfect life. Peace is a person. That's what the credit card lady found out. I recently read the story of this woman who worked at a credit card company. Uh, she's in the call center, you know, taking calls from angry, disgruntled credit card customers. But right before her shift of work, she had a doctor's appointment. And at her doctor's appointment, she got some really hard news. Like a, a diagnosis that was not good. It was not easily curable. The doctors weren't sure if it was curable at all. And this woman panicked. Like peace left an, an hour ago and she got back into the car and she, she tried to cope with the news she had just heard and, and she reached out to her husband, dialed him on the phone, but the phone rang and he didn't pick up. So in her fear, she dialed the number of her son and the phone rang, but the son didn't pick up. And by this time, it was time for her to start her shift. So she pulled into her parking spot, she tried to stuff down all of that, that fear and anxiety she put on the headset and she took the first call and she said, hello, what's your name? And the man on the other end of the line said, my name is Max. Oh, hi, Max. Uh, what's your last name? Lucado. And the woman said, what? <laughs> Max Lucado? And Max Lucado said, yep. <laughs> and she said, the... Max Lucado? And he grinned on the other end of the line. Yep. <laughs> if you don't know, Max Lucado is maybe one of the most 
famous Christian authors of the last 50 years. He's written like a billion books that have sold a billion copies. And here he was with a credit card problem. And he asked, because he's Max Lucado, hey, how, how are you today? Yeah, and then it got real quiet. And the woman, just all of that worry, all of her lack of peace came spilling out of her heart through the headset into Max Lucado's ear. And because he's Max Lucado, he, he had Bible to respond with. He had patience to listen to her. He had selflessness, even though he needed something from his credit card company. He, he ministered to her well. And she was able to take a deep breath and just get a little bit, bit of her peace back. Right? Max could not fix her diagnosis. He couldn't give her a perfect life. But I just told you, peace isn't a perfect life. Peace is a person. And what the Bible says is something you probably know, that God is better than Max Lucado. <laughs> I mean, Max is a man with a lot of great words, a lot of great wisdom, a lot of great compassion. But the God that you and I worship is the father of compassion. He's the source of wisdom and he is the one who inspired the very words that Max was quoting that day. And that's why I love what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul said, Now may the God, or the Lord of peace, himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Let me pause there. It's a crazy thing to say. May the Lord of peace give you peace, not sometimes, at all times and in every way. And here's the sentence that comes next. The Lord be with all of you. It's crazy. Um, if you would read the book of Acts, you would find out that the people that Paul was writing to did not have a perfect life. The Apostle Paul wanted to start a Christian church in their town, but after three weeks, the persecution was so intense that Paul himself, courageous, strong Paul, ran for his life. Three weeks. And so this little, tiny, Christian church was left wondering, what's going to happen to us? If our neighbors are ready to kill Paul, what will they do to us? And so here's what Paul prayed. May the Lord himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And here's how. The Lord be with all of you. So, I know that you are looking for happiness and peace. And here's how you find it. You think of God. You think of his presence. You think of his face shining on you because you are his forgiven child. You think of his mighty right arm. You think of his history of saving and, and using what looks like it's evil and he flips it for good. You think of his promises that in all things he's working for the good of those who love him. You think of Jesus' promise that he would never leave us or forsake us but he would be with us always. You, you fix your eyes not on what is seen and temporary but on what is unseen and is eternal. Friends, if you want peace, ponder the character and nature of God. You and I spend countless hours every week scrolling and reading the words of humans. If we can take just a few seconds and think about the words of God, that's where peace comes from. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is peace. How do you find it? The Spirit reminds you of a person, of God, and his presence. So, peace be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. 
Thanks so much for taking your time to listen to this message. We would love so many other people to hear about this message too. So if you could think of someone in your mind right now that could use this, we would love for you just to take a moment and share it. Um, That's essentially how people hear the good news of Jesus, believe it, and find eternal life in his name. Thanks for sharing and have a great day.